It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Everybody, Tom Gazzola with you, host of the Oilers Supreme Post Game Show on TSN 1260, Edmonton Sports Leader. Hope you had a great weekend. Maybe you watched the All-Star Game. Maybe you watched just the skills competition. Maybe you watched both. Maybe you watched the Pro Bowl like I did yesterday. And I uh, hope you had a great one. It is uh, Monday. The Oilers return to action on Wednesday Yes, indeed, the Battle of Alberta, it is soon going to be upon us. And before we get into that, obviously lots to talk about in regard to that. The Oilers have been on the ice for two days now since the break has come to its conclusion. But I just want to bring up the Kobe Bryant accident and obviously his daughter passing away in the helicopter crash along with seven others of a horrific, horrific event. And, uh, you know... When the news came down, I was watching the Pro Bowl, having a bite to eat and a beer with my dad, catching up a little bit, and I saw the tweet as I was just glancing at my phone, and then a thing popped up on the screen at the Pro Bowl saying, uh, you know, breaking news, uh, Kobe Bryant has passed away. Uh, really sad, like really, really dampened my my mood, and... Um, it was a, like a black cloud hanging over the day. Really, you know, rattled me. I will, I will say that. And and this is coming from a guy that, admittedly, not a huge basketball fan. I really respect and appreciate basketball. It's very entertaining. I've gone to many games, and we talk about that real quick too. Uh, it's just, I, I was very, very affected and rattled by it. So it's incredible to see the outpouring of support and uh, love from basketball fans, fans of sports in general, quite frankly. And uh, I will say this. In Kobe's last season, the 15-16 season, we were on the road. It was a West Coast trip through LA Anaheim. I think San Jose was mixed in there and Arizona. It was late March, and we we had a night off in LA, and there was a sponsorship group. Uh, one of our execs from the sponsorship was on the trip with us, and there was a group of, I think, big-time spenders with the Oilers in terms of buying up marketing and, and, and sponsorship, as they call it. So as a thank you to them, Lisa Monroe is her, her name. Uh, she's the exec in sponsorship for the Oilers. Took uh, all of them out for a basketball game, and it was the Lakers against the Nuggets, and it was as a thank you to the sponsors. And uh, as part of it, she asked myself, Bob Stoffer, and Jack Michaels, so the media team basically, the on-air portion of the media team, if we could go along as kind of chaperones, I guess, and keep, keep the group company. And uh, absolutely, we're like, yeah, for sure. And it was Kobe's fifth last home game ever at Staples Center. And it was it was really neat experience. We had great club seats. And speaking of club seats, it literally was a club, like a dance club with a dance floor and a DJ. And every stoppage in the game between quarters at the half, the music went down and the DJ started spinning. And then there were girls just 
bumping and grinding on the dance floor and it was it was good i enjoyed it drinks and everything and food was on the on the oilers which is always the best and the way it should be and um had a great time but i was watching kobe basically the entire time that was my first time ever seeing him live my last time ever seeing him live and you know it it was the the goodbye tour essentially and uh, he was getting huge applause from the crowd. The Lakers sucked that year, and he basically was just doing whatever he wanted. Not that he didn't do whatever he wanted anyway, but he was shooting from everywhere. He didn't want to pass it off. He would take it to the hoop. Whatever he wanted, Kobe decided to do it, and nobody seemed to really care, and it was entertaining to watch. He missed a ton of shots. He, I think he finished up with 25 points, and I just, I was like, wow, this is really neat. I'm very thankful and glad I had a chance to go and see Kobe Bryant in one of his last games at home. And then fast forward four years later, uh, not even four years later, almost four years later, and uh, here we are, he, uh, the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant. So I just, I've been fortunate. Um, uh, he transcends just basketball, obviously, North American pro sports, and uh, very, very sad and, uh, you know, makes you think, makes you reflect how precious life is, and I'm not here to preach, but I'm just very thankful I had a chance to see a legend like that in person, and him and Derek Jeter I had a chance to see in their last seasons, and it was uh, something I'll I'll consider a feather in my cap, and I'll talk about until the day I die, probably, so I just wanted to talk about Kobe Bryant a little bit, Um, very sad uh, for all of those families involved, the nine people that... um, were involved in that accident, the helicopter crash. Anyway, on a much lighter note, let's look at the All-Star game from the weekend. Skills competition, interesting. Matt Barzell beats Connor McDavid in the fastest skater competition. Very impressive. Did not see that coming. I think that's okay. You know, McDavid is still probably the best skater of the world. I thought the target shooting was pretty neat. I like how they use the technology with, with the the board and the uh, flashing LEDs with the the different targets. I like how they added a fifth target, you know, kind of in the five-hole area. I thought that was really neat. And uh, I don't miss the styrofoam targets. I know Roberto Luongo was tweeting about that, but I thought the technology worked fine until that one pane of, uh, I'm guessing they just used plexiglass on the outside, busted, and they had to delay the event. But I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, what did I not like about the All-Star game? I was very curious about the the skill shot competition to see how that would play out. I commend the NHL for taking a risk, trying something different, because uh, knowing who works in that office and, and how it operates, uh, not really uh, out of the box, outside the box thinking types, if you will. So I, I, I give them credit for trying something new. And I thought I gave it a chance. I really did. And ultimately, I think it fell kind of flat, to be honest with you. It was neat to see them shooting from the stands, but nobody was shooting for the different targets. There was no real strategy. Everyone was aiming for the arch. Nobody was shooting at anything else. And I don't know if they were counting the points properly. It had some kinks. Obviously, being the first time they were trying it, it didn't really work out. So anyway, I just I thought that was neat that they tried it at least. The three-on-three women's game, a neat concept. I like how they implemented that. Obviously, everything that's going on with the women's game and the professional league that still exists in the States. Obviously, the Canadian one folded last year, uh, and there's 200 of the best 
pro-female hockey players in the world sitting out this season in solidarity, trying to get something done. Good to see the NHL on board, willing to help move things forward when it comes to women's hockey and a great platform to showcase the women's game at the skills competition. I thought that was uh, an excellent idea. As for the game itself, you know, you always give it hope every year. And like I said, I've covered four All-Star games, and the worst part of every one of those All-Star games was the game itself. The best one that I covered was the John Scott when the three-on-three was just introduced, and it, looks like, it looked like guys were trying. And quite frankly, that was, what, four or five years ago now. It just, to me, looks like that that doesn't exist anymore. They're half-assing it. Even in the final game, they're not really going that hard. And I think I predicted that the Pacific Division would win. Look at that. How about that? And, you know, anyway, it's still disappointing. You just watch the All-Star, the All-Star game and you go, why aren't they trying? They're just not trying. Why are they so afraid to get hurt? Why don't you just play like it's a scrimmage in practice? You know what I mean? Because I've seen scrimmages in practice that are way more intense than the All-Star game. And so I, I just, you know, casually glanced at the TV while watching it. I didn't think it was great, as is the case. And... You know, I think that they tried a lot harder in the 80s, 70s, even in the 90s. I think it was more in like around after the lockout in 04, 05 that it really turned to crap. Honestly, I, I think they tried a lot more back in the day. And now it's just they're not even proud to be there. It doesn't seem like it's just like, yeah, we're here. We're getting paid. Uh, just don't want to get hurt. And, and you can just see it in the overall effort. So. Good to see St. Louis. Uh, I think it did a great job hosting. Looks like everyone had fun in St. Louis. And uh, that's definitely a hockey city faux show. Cannot deny that. So good on St. Louis for hosting a tremendous all-star weekend. And, of course, as always, the game lackluster. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked on Devils here. And let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game-changer. Check out Transaction Eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit, Discover Bank, member FDIC. You're listening to Locked On Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, the Oilers were back on the ice today. They took things over to West Edmonton Mall, skated at the Ice Palace, a tradition that dates back to, I think, the grand opening of West Edmonton Mall, which was in 83, I believe before I was born, just a couple years before I was born, the others would always skate and then have an autograph session at West Ed. And that went away for a while. They didn't have one of those until in the eight years I worked for Oilers TV. So from 2010, I think they had one in 2017. They brought it back. And a great concept. I mean, people can get this, the, the look at the players up close, uh, the short glass at, at West Edmonton Mall's Ice Palace. And then they do the autograph session, which is an excellent idea. I remember going, I have two memories from the autograph session as a kid. One was in the mid-90s when I was eight or nine years old, and we went to the autograph session and the practice, and I remember I was a big hockey card nut, 
and I brought my cards, and I wanted to get them signed. Of course, the lineups were massive, and it was tough. And I think I ended up getting, like, David Oliver's autograph, Kirk Maltby, and a couple other guys, but, you know, it just took so much time. Like, the lines for Doug Waite uh, were Curtis Joseph, I think, was on the team at the time. Uh, it was just so long of a wait for those guys that you didn't even bother, Jason Arnett, all that. So, anyway, I remember my dad's like, all right, let's time to go let's go and I'm like god darn you know like I didn't get enough autographs I only got a couple and I happened to be walking behind two guys in suits and I was like hey that's Luke Richardson I didn't recognize the other player he was walking with and I quickly went into my cards and I found my Luke Richardson card that I had with with me and I got it signed and I'm like Mr. Richardson could you sign this he's like yeah absolutely sure kid so he signs it and he looks at it and he he goes huh look at this Kent and uh, it was Kent Manderville who was with him at the time, who was playing for the Oilers. And on that card, it was Luke Richardson cross-checking Kent Manderville. And, and then Luke Richardson's like, do you know who this is to me? And I'm like, no, who is that? He's like, I'm cross-checking this guy. And I was like, who's that? He's like, Kent Manderville. I'm like, no way. And Kent Manderville goes, do you want me to sign it too? And I was like, no, that's okay. Completely naive, honest, and blunt. And uh, so, you know, kind of uh, shut down Kent Manderville when, in terms of signing this kid's autograph. Uh, but uh, I just wanted Luke Richardson's autograph on my card. That's all I could say about that. Then the other one I remember was when I was really young in the late 80s, maybe early 90s. And I just remember we went to the autograph session. And the only thing I can remember from that is I had a waffle cone ice cream and met Craig Simpson, and he asked me how my ice cream was and tapped me on the hat, and I think I got shy. So I, I think I was only like four or five when that one happened, but uh, that's what I remember from the Oilers practices slash autograph sessions at West Edmonton Mall from back in the day. Very nice to see them doing it. I think it was Bob Nicholson who really encouraged the Oilers to do it again, so good on Bob for getting them back in the community. Doing something like that, was a, it's a great tradition. Gets them in the mall with the people, and uh, hopefully it continues going forward. I'm sure it was a hit at West Edmonton Mall today. Also of note, Matt Benning has been recalled from the Bakersfield Condors, so that indicates that he will probably be good to go for Wednesday night, assuming he will play with Chris Russell on the Oilers' third pairing. Now, Benning had a conditioning stint down in Bakersfield. We heard from Ryan Holt last week on the podcast. He gave us a bit of an update on Benning and how he was doing. Through three games down in Baco, Benning, one assist, two penalty minutes, plus one. So getting his feet wet again into game action. I'm assuming he will be good to go for Wednesday. That's going to be a crucial game, and uh, I'm sure we're going to see some fireworks in that one. Benning, excellent stabilizer on the Oilers' back end. He's a third-pairing guy. That's his M.O., and he's very good at it. And I think that's what people are starting to finally understand about Matt Benning here. Doesn't cost a fortune. No, he's not a 4, 3, 2, or even a 1 defenseman. He's a 5, 6 guy. And uh, he's a very good one. So Matt Benning through 24 games this season, 5 assists, 10 penalty minutes, plus 8. He will be a good boost to the Oilers lineup and specifically to the back end when the time comes for the game on Wednesday.
Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The All-Star break is over. The bye week is almost over for the Oilers. They've been back on the ice for a couple of days now. Practice day again tomorrow on Tuesday. And then, indeed, the Battle of Alberta that game that's been circled on our calendars since the last time the Oilers and Flames met. Matthew Kachuk, Zach Cassian, their altercation, and Cassian's subsequent two-game suspension. Well, that's over. He's back, baby. We'll see how he handles things on Wednesday. A few notes to get to in regard to the Oilers. Uh, by the way, six games on the schedule tonight. Oilers not back till Wednesday, of course. Just some news and notes to pass along your way to get you reset for NHL action because it feels like it's been forever, especially when you consider how long ago it's been since the Oilers played a game back on the 18th. The Oilers tied now with the Calgary Flames, Arizona Coyotes, and Vegas Golden Knights at 57 points. The Vancouver Canucks continue to lead the Pacific Division with 58 points, so those five teams still separated by just one point. Now, the 2019-20 campaign marks the first time in the NHL's expansion era since 1967-68 that the top five teams in a division have all been within one point of each other past the halfway mark of the regular season. Now, three of the clubs in the five-team cluster are looking to make the postseason after missing the playoffs in at least each of the last two seasons. That would be Vancouver, who last made the playoffs in 2014-15. The Oilers, of course, 2016-17 was the last time they made it. And the Coyotes, who have not made the postseason since 2011-2012. Dave Tippett was the coach then. Mike Smith, by the way, who was in the starters net uh, for practice, was the goalie in Arizona at the time. So... Uh, just rekindling those old memories there. Also worth noting that Vancouver and Edmonton are the only Pacific Division clubs among the five to have completed their season series, splitting their four-game set with two wins apiece. Both of the Oilers' wins were one-goal victories, of course, and uh, they had to overcome deficits to pick up those wins in both of those games. Now, Connor McDavid, more specifically, continues to lead the league in scoring, uh, he has 76 points right now, 27 goals, 49 assists. Leon Dreisaitl, of course, second in league scoring. He is pursuing his third Art Ross trophy in four seasons. The 23-year-old can join Wayne Gretzky as just the second player in NHL history to capture the award at least three times before their 24th birthday. Trailing the Oilers' captain is Leon Dreisaitl. The 24-year-old, uh, by the way, Nathan McKinnon, also 24, and David Pasternak, are 20, he's 23, all of whom reached the 70-point mark ahead of the NHL All-Star Weekend. The 2019-2020 season could become the first in NHL history to end with the top four scorers all under the age of 25. McDavid and Dreisaitl returned to the ice on the 29th, and uh, they both have active point streaks, six and eight game point streaks, respectively. The Oilers' dynamic duo can become the 31st set of teammates in NHL history to conclude the season first and second in league scoring, and the first since Martin St. Louis and Steven Stamkos did it in the lockout-shortened 2012-2013 season. St. Louis topped the league in scoring that year, 17 goals, 43 assists, 60 points in 48 games. Stamkos, by the way, 
29 goals, 38 assists, 57 points in 48 games with the Lightning. Now, McDavid and Dreisaitl among six players to record 100-plus points in 2018-19. Lead a group of 10 skaters currently on pace to reach the 100-point mark this season. The last campaign to conclude with 10 or more 100-point scores was 95-96 when a dozen skaters hit the mark. Coincidentally, that season saw teammates finish first and second in the scoring race. That was Pittsburgh's Mario Lemieux, 69 goals, 92 assists, 161 points. And Yarmer Yager, 62 goals, 87 assists, 149 points. So there you go. Some, uh, some notes to chew on as we get set for hockey to return in oil country on the 29th. The Oilers taking on the Flames Wednesday, the Blues on Friday, and then the Flames again on Saturday. One final note as we wrap up this edition of Locked on Oilers. This day in hockey history, January 27, 1990, Yari Curry had a goal and three assists to lead the Oilers to a 6-2 win over the Canucks. That one happening back at the old Northlands Coliseum. So there you have it. The Oilers defeat the Canucks 6-2 back at the Coliseum on this day 30 years ago with Yari Curry potting a goal and three assists. Memories, baby. That does it for this edition of Locked On Oilers. Hope you enjoyed it. Welcome back. Hockey is back, baby. Six games on the schedule tonight. The Oilers back in action Wednesday. It is the Battle of Alberta. It is going to be a doozy. I'm predicting it. We have plenty more to get to in the two days leading up to it. We'll have reports from practice tomorrow. We'll hear from some players and the coaches as well as on Wednesday. I'll be down at the rink for the morning skate, of course. And uh, should be a good one. Look forward to chatting. Talk to you again tomorrow. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.